Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Raptors playoff post game brought to you by Yahoo Sports. My name is Iman, and I am here with the man behind all of the action. Uh, Amit, Amit, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Happy to be here, Iman. This is, uh, we were just talking off uh, offline about like, who who starts this? Who is it? And we're just like, yeah, what is, Iman can do it. Why not? Not that it lot. matters. Yeah. This is fun. This is fun to get to do this day after a win. And when the series is actually really feels like a series again, um, because those first, those first two games, I'm going to be honest, getting on here afterwards and trying to find positives is really difficult. But now, yeah. positives are plentiful. There's, there's all kinds. And I think um, when you look at the series now, you often want to look at the opponent because, you know, 3-0, never been done before in the NBA history. It's been done in hockey. Actually, the Leafs did it back in like 1945, but that's enough oh, wow. hockey talk. But uh, never done in NBA history. And you look at... Uh, the opponent, who is the team that is up 3-0 and how are they going to respond to this kind of adversity? Um, and you have the 76ers, a team that if there was a team that you would think that would blow a 3-0 series lead, it would be this 76ers team. I'll put it that way. And I think uh, on the flip side, if there was a team that you would think would come back from down 3-0, it would be a team like the mm. Toronto Raptors, who, and I talked about this before the playoffs started, the Raptors and the Sixers very much feel like the antithesis of each other. On the one hand, you have the Toronto Raptors that are gritty, hard-nosed, are going to win on the defensive end. They like to play with their backs up against the wall. And the Sixers team, who are best as front runners. Their best when Embiid could be an airplane. Their best when, uh, you know, they've got their two stars. They've got a former MVP and a guy who's runner-up for MVP. They are best when they are technically at their best. And the Raptors are the best when they're on the ropes. And it was it's really fun to watch these two teams with complete different mindsets really go at each other. And let's talk about game five because yeah. that was a game where, once again, Raptors are on the ropes. You lose, you go home. The Sixers just needed to close out, win in five. That's an easy, breezy series. And could sit back waiting for Miami to, to be done with the Atlanta Hawks. And it was in Philadelphia. And that's not what we saw happen. What were your thoughts on what you saw in game five? Hey, man, first I'll start off that I thought the Raptors had a real shot of winning this series in five games at the beginning because I just think that they are just a really tough matchup for the 76ers. I was talking to Yaron Weitzman about it, and that's what I said. I said that, you know, maybe the Raptors have like a, some game one jitters as that might happen, but I think they are just a matchup that is just all for the cooking against the 76ers because there's mismatches everywhere. You look at James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris to a small extent, although he's done a pretty good job against um, Pascal Siakam, but there's so many ways that the Raptors can just expose you in a playoff offensive format. And I think we saw more of that as, you know what, the Raptors are getting healthier. It's kind of that simple. Like Thad Young is in your rotation now. Scotty Barnes is getting healthier and healthier. And I would imagine that he's probably going to be at his best version comes game six with a few days off. 
And we saw more of that in, in game in game five. The Raptors, uh, they started off really, really strong. You saw right off the bat, like first first possession, OG Ananobi gets a, has a mismatch and he gets a little uh, mid-range jumper. And then James Harden just being very lackadaisical, doing James Harden things, not recognizing the moment and understanding how important it is to start games off right. He just throws a turnover. And then Kem Birch hits a three. I'm just like, whoa. Now this is getting wild. I looked it up. He's hit two threes all season, and that yeah. is in this series. I'm like, so things are going pretty well. And then Pascal hits a three. I'm like, this is now we're cooking. This is a really good start for the Raptors. Your thoughts? <laughs> no, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. And and, and when we're talking about the Raptors, I, I was also higher on the Raptors. I thought that they could win this series and the, the for the exact reasons that you just stated. But what we saw in games one and two was not I hate saying this not 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 just that they lost I'm saying it's not Raptors basketball but mm. we didn't see that and I do think a large part of this and we can get to it is Fred Lee's injury um and and when he's out there he's not a mismatch <laughs> and you know what I mean he's someone that we see James Harden and and Tyrese Maxey can really go at because he is obviously very labored with a bad knee and a hip injury and if he's not out there hitting 40% from deep, you know, on like 10 attempts a game, he, he becomes a little bit of a liability or a lot of bit of a liability. And what we saw in games one and two was the Raptors defense being what lost them the game. I kept seeing people talk about the Raptors just don't have enough offensive firepower to keep pace with James Harden and Joel Embiid. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's not how the Raptors don't have enough offensive firepower to hang with lots of people. <laughs> like, sure, that's sure. not how the Raptors win games. They win games defensively. And that's not what they were doing in those other games. Game five, on the flip side, it wasn't so much their offense. It was the fact that they held the Sixers to 88 points and the Sixers had 16 free throws. So think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, made 16 free throws. They took 20. So like 88 points, it's really their defense. And it is 100% that there are just tons of mismatches on the offensive end that the Raptors can exploit. But also, Tyrese Maxey is now seeing a bunch of 6'9 guys with seven-foot wingspans crowding Mm -hmm. him. And he's just not able to get those floater ups in the way that he was able to in games one and two when there was a guy that he could go at. And so I really think we're just seeing Vision 6'9 at its fullest. Another thing that I kept (laughs) hearing from people is just like, well, the Raptors just don't have a center. They can't really guard and beat. And I think I was of that mind at one point early on in the season. But the more that I buy into Vision 6'9, I'm like, but but look at this. Look at how they're able to just yeah. throw a bunch of guys. And, and game six can happen, and we can talk about this in a second. And MB can score 50 points, and it can all be for naught. But that is a lot of work for a guy throughout an entire series. So we're seeing it what is. Vision 6-9 really looks like. And that's exactly what we got in game five. I just thought it was a brilliant performance from Scotty Barnes, from Gary Trent, from Kem Birch. Even I know a lot of people were down on him, especially for that third quarter, but you mentioned it. He hit those threes in the beginning. He He's a big body. He's getting in there. He's frustrating Embiid and, and Precious. My goodness, Precious is just a delight to watch. No question. I was. And I didn't even up... mention Siakam. My God. <laughs> oh, we'll get to Pascal Siakam. I'm, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, looking at the half court numbers, uh, I'm just looking this up now. So 94.6 yeah. per 100 possessions was the 76ers half court offense. They've been hovering around 107, 108, yeah. and that's where they're actually the Raptors were. They were at 107 for that game. So their half court offense, it wasn't spectacular because I mean they missed a lot of open shots, and we'll get to that I'm sure in a second too. But 94.6 for that for that uh, 76ers half court offense that is an abysmal number for what they for what they usually do in in the half court you think about that Joel Embiid James Harden pick and roll 
very ineffective because the Raptors are switching everything. Because like you said, Vision 6-9, they're comfortable switching anyone onto pretty much anyone, excluding, I guess, Gary Trent Jr. And from there, they're just like, I want to see you beat me. And finally, finally, the Raptors are not fouling as much. They were like digging at James Harden way too much. They're bailing him out essentially in these past two games, they've been fouling them 20 times per game earlier on the series. It was around 26. So they got that number down hands are back. They they're saying, I'm going to move my feet. I want to see if you can actually hit a bucket over me. And James Harden's like, guess what? I can't, I can't do it. That's kind of the, that's the one adjustment that I'd really sort of point to. Of course, we're talking about vision six, nine. And I think that comes with, with, injuries right that's why the Raptors have to play this lineup and it's worked out to their favor but the one adjustment that I've seen Nick Nurse make is just like hey James Harden is not that guy (laughs) he's not him don't you don't have to be super aggressive Mm -hmm. you don't have to overplay him if he beats you oh well but you're not he's not the person that you overtly focus on so that Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey are lighting you up and I think that that we're we're seeing the fruits of that right now If I told you that Tobias Harris would be their most second most consistent player, excluding Joel Embiid in this series, you'd probably think that that's not a good thing. That's not good. And that's kind of where we're at. Tobias Harris actually been one of the more impressive players because game by game, he's he's shown toughness. He's shown a shot making ability in, in isolation in those non impediments although they went really badly yesterday. And that's a big reason why the Raptors were able to build those leads. But he's been pretty consistent as a player. And those uh, impediments didn't go well either. No, they didn't. <laughs> Very true. Touche. Um, but uh, I just want to give him a, a quick shout out before yeah, we he's start been good defensively yeah. as well. Like Tobias Harris, I was so ready to slander. I I came into this being mm-hmm. like, is that someone I'm definitely going to be slandering? And he's just been good. He's been flat out good for them on the defensive end. Yep. He has not been uh, the, the, one of my things is they're not going to have anyone to guard Pascal. And they don't really have anyone to guard Pascal, but he's done as good of a job as I thought he could. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then on the offensive end he's attacking he's relentless he's not he's not scared to go up and he's making the open shots when he needs to and then you have a guy like Danny Green who will make half of the shots when he needs to (laughs) won't hit rim on the other ones it looks like he's having such a bad game when you look at the numbers he's four of nine from three it's not bad at all but those are all wide open those are all wide open like yeah, very wide open. And that was one of the issues with the Raptors, too, is that, you know, this probably should have been a 20 point win if they're just able to hit some of those wide open shots. OG shoots two of nine. Right. And a lot of those shots, again, Pascal Siakam was dishing. He was diming. Um, he was making the open passes. Like right. It. Yeah. yeah I thought he, was <laughs> uh, he was everything was on the money. Everything was on the tape and uh, he was missing some of those shots. Precious, too. So there's definitely some points left on uh, left on the board. And Nick Nurse alluded to it, too, that that was probably the unfortunate part is that they left so many points on the table and hopefully, you know, not to move on too far is that uh, game six comes around and they're at, uh, they're at home. Some of those shots go in because that would be a case where this game would probably be, you know, wide open. And I think the Raptors, they're just in a really good spot to probably make the Sixers crumble in game six, if they get off to a strong start. I mean, we, we see it. The Sixers really start, they start to get chippy on the court. They start to start making mistakes. We see tired legs already from Embiid. That's why I made that joke about those minutes not really working out for him. There are lots Mm. of clips on that third quarter. And it just felt like, first I was like, oh, Precious is trying Embiid. And then I was like, oh, Precious is like actually scoring, like putting the ball on the floor and scoring on Embiid. What? And then after that, it was just a barrage of literally everybody on the Raptors doing it. And I'm like, oh my (laughs) gosh, Embiid. Oh no. (laughs) Um, 
and, oh, and one of those guys was Pascal Siakam, who I think we we have to give our roses to him. He, he has just been phenomenal since since getting a lot of uh, criticism after that game three performance that he had. Yeah, Oren Weisfeld, shout him out. Um, he pointed out a clip on Twitter. I think that's one of the things that's going on like in the Twitter moments bar on one of the uh, the bookmark pages mm. is that all of them are like all the Raptors are heading off into the locker room and you got Chris Boucher and Preston Chua. They're all hunky-dory. They're doing their things. But Pascal's approaching like he's been there before. His face is stoic. There's not a single emotion on his face, just like during that Why? 2019 run. <laughs> exactly, right? He's like... This game's done on to the next one. So I saw leadership from him um, right from the get-go and he pointed out during his post game. He's like, you know what? I told everyone that this is going to be a very loud crowd. It's going to get rowdy at times. We have to just weather the storm, stay together. When you make a mistake, just move on. It's not a big and deal. Communicate. Exactly. Communicate with each other because that's, what's going to get us through. He was like, just on the leadership standpoint, like Fred's not out there. And they're missing him in different ways. Granted, you know, like you said earlier, um, his his game on the court isn't like nearly close to where he would normally be or where he'd want it to be. And I think that's a reason why, other than the hip injury, I think he kind of felt this coming that, you know, we're facing elimination. Um, how much am I helping this team right now? Like, is that, am I really going to be a person that's going to be able to go out there and hit like, you know, five, six. And that takes leadership too. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's why Fred Van Vliet is so unique um, as a player and as a human. And that's why he's the second coming of Kyle Lowry. Um, but from a leadership standpoint, like Pascal was from the get-go right to the end. And he was locked in, man. And I mean, not to, not to go back to Joel Embiid, because I do want to focus on Pascal here, but those comments that Siakam had stark contrast to the comments that Joel Embiid had. And we're talking about these two teams really being the antithesis of each other. Joel Embiid was asked about Harden's lack of aggression. And he's like, yeah, I told him he needs to be him. And he like calling out Joel Embiid in the middle of this series when the Ben Simmons saga has finally ended for them. And here they go starting another one. And, you know, he, he also called out doc. He said it needs to be on doc to call him to basically call James Harden out and do that. And that to me is in stark contrast from the leadership that we see from Pascal Siakam, who's not saying it's all my coach to tell these guys what to do. He's saying, no, we need to communicate together as the guys on the court like just the words it just felt like oh yeah these are two very distinct and different leadership styles and we're seeing one of them work out and the other one when pre- when it when it becomes a pressure rise situation it starts to really crumble there but I mean Pascal on the defensive end on the offensive end just absolutely everywhere how he like I get tired for him watching the games I'm glad that he has the additional day rest. I think it'll be very helpful sure. for him. Um, but you know what? I think the Sixers could also benefit from that additional day, and that doesn't make me very happy either. Scotty Barnes gets a little bit healthier. I'll take I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, in the end, like if the Raptors are able to get a few few days off, I think it's going to benefit them more than it will the 76ers. In some ways, like you know, when you have a bad game during the regular season, you just want to get back playing to mm. forget about it. This is going to linger. They're going to see articles and links. Stephen A. Smith, all these guys, you know, Charles Barkley yeah. last night, he was saying that this was an embarrassing game. I don't like looking at inside the NBA too much because I don't think it's very analytical. Like I watched it last night and they weren't really even pointing out that the Raptors are actually healthier now. And that's why a good reason why you know, they're able to do vision six nine but other than that i wanted to see just kind of the commentary that they would they would offer and a lot of it was just about like the lack of energy 
from the 76ers. And that was, that was so detrimental. You saw Pascal Siakam from the get-go, all of them, they were so, they were energized from, I think it was like probably mandated by, you know, Nick Nurse and company that you, when you're out there, you play with energy and you play with the intensity and every single person who came in, whether it was Chris Boucher or Preston Chua or Thad Young or whoever it was, they came in ready to go. And you could not say that about so many 76ers. And a lot of that comes from the leadership of Pascal Siakam. I love when his jumper, you can kind of tell it was around the 10 minute mark of the third quarter. He had this like smooth, really controlled uh, step back over Tobias Harris. And that's when you know that he's feeling himself and that he's in a good spot with it because sometimes it gets like really, really wonky and his arms going this way, that way. Yeah. But it was very smooth. I'm like, that's, that's how you know that he's feeling his jumper at the moment. And uh, when that jumper is going, he becomes an, an unbelievable problem for not just the 76ers, for the for everyone in the NBA. And that's going to be one of his, his keys for the offseason is to really hone in on that and take that to the next level. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of this really does come down to health, which it seems like a lot of people sort of disregarded as in, in the early parts of the series where everybody was just talking about, well, the Sixers are more talented. And what the Sixers did in game one that was distinctly different than what the Sixers did in game five was come out with that aggression. Mm. It, from, from the very first moment, it felt like the Sixers knew that they were playing playoff basketball and the Raptors didn't know that they were playing playoff basketball. And, and then you start to see the injuries pile up and, and the Raptors were making mistakes and they felt kind of jittery. And as the series has gone on, the Raptors have definitely found their sort of calm, but the Sixers have also found their calm and they're just not as aggressive. We're not seeing them box out as much. We're not seeing them. It was so it was so interesting because I think it was Maxi who said before the series started, the Raptors just play hard. And in order to beat the Raptors, they just need to play harder than the Raptors. They need to box out. They need to not turn the ball over. They need to not do the things that help the Raptors win games. And I'm like, yeah, OK, <laughs> but like it's a really difficult thing to do. Like, that's why the Raptors are elite. And so the Raptors are a top five team is because they're really great at doing these things. Mm-hmm. And game one happened and Maxi shut me up because the Sixers were doing exactly that. But game five happened and we saw the Raptors play Raptor style of basketball and the Sixers played the most nonchalant basketball I can think of when your team is up 3-1 and you're trying to close them out at home. How do you do that, man? Like, how do you come out like that in, in, in that atmosphere, the crowds revved up? It's it's a, a alarm bells for not just this season, but like next season. Because like even if the 76ers do win game six or game seven, like they're not going to get yeah. past Miami Heat. They're not going to. That's no. just point, like the fact. Um, and like, what are you doing with your franchise now? Because you put so much investment into James Harden and saying that he's going to be your guy. And he's, we've already seen that he's like 50% the version of himself. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Often also, you know, mentally, 
leadership wise, he's not that guy either. And then well, is Joel Embiid? Well, I don't know because I mean, Joel's having his own internal issues, it seems like. And then you got Doc Rivers who will not hesitate to throw his players under the bus. So you're culturally, when you're trying to build a championship team, they don't have any of that. No. Oh man. It's, it's really difficult. And I think that like, and not to make this a Sixers pod, but I think one of the things that we need to focus on when talking about team building or like the tanking, the trusting the process is having veteran leadership to help the Joel Embiid's go. Like we see Pascal be a leader. We see Fred be a leader. They had that. And the Sixers yeah. had that in that JJ Reddick, Jimmy Butler, uh, JJ Reddick was there for a while, but that Jimmy Butler led team and they haven't had it since. And they didn't have it before. And we're seeing the effects of that right now, I think as well. And just the lack of leadership and void that they have there, um, which is just really, really big. The next the next thing that I want to focus in on is, do you think that Fred Van Vliet will make an appearance at some point in the series? I don't think he will. I don't think he should, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's not about his production on the court. I just don't see a point. Like he's he's been battling for so long and I'm not a doctor, obviously, but I, I'm concerned about what is this doing for his long-term health? Is this going to impact his off-season training? Is it going to impact how he's going to be able to get healthy for next season? Because next season is a year where I think, I mean, they're making noise this year, but like next season, they can make some real noise next year. And he's yes. going to be an integral part of that. So I don't see the need to throw him out there, especially if the Raptors are able to do it without him. I, I'm saying all this because I'm seeing a lot of like rumblings, like do the Raptors really need Fred Van Vliet? Is he going to be a trade candidate? Like, no, like he is, look at his catch and shoot numbers, right? Like they need him and also his leadership, his defense. Like when these matchups with, you know, with Maxi and James Harden, like this would not be a problem for a healthy Fred. Okay. Yeah. He'd be, he, would, he wouldn't be a liability. Fred Van Vliet is an all defense, all defense, you know, candidate. He is not a liability on your, <laughs> on your, on your defense, not by any means. And I think everyone on the Raptors know that. So I prefer to see him kind of chill and to keep on being that uh, off-court leader, keep on being Coach Fred, because I, I do like seeing his suits and him, you know, with those images on, on Getty where he's just like losing his mind and he's all excited. Um, I prefer him to be there. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I asked that because, because of, I mean, that answer was perfect. A lot of people are making it seem, and everyone's really reactionary. We saw this when Kevin Durant went down for the Warriors and they beat the Rockets in the next two games and they swept the the Blazers. It was like, are the Warriors better without Durant? Look at how the ball is moving. Look at how free-flowing their offense is. Look at this. The ball stopper is gone. And then the Warriors lose in the in the finals and it's like well they needed Kevin Durant well like obviously they're not as good so everybody's just really reactionary and I think that that's what we're getting with yeah. this Fred Van Vliet narrative as well and I do think that two things can be true I think that the Raptors can fare better in this series without Fred Van Vliet because the Sixers are a particularly bad matchup for him we saw it in 2019 we're seeing it now especially when he's labored especially when he's labored mm-hmm. because they're a big team and the Raptors are going to beat them by going 6-9 but he was your all-star all season. You and I talked about this for probably the entirety of the year where we're like, wrap him in bubble wrap. He is so integral to what they the never Raptors did. do. They never did. They, they, they never, never did. did. <laughs> they never did. That, <laughs> Nick Nurse, what's wrong? Um, yeah. And so uh, the Raptors are at their best when Fred Van Vliet is there. He is, to me, the, the prototype of a point guard that you want to play alongside Scotty and, and Pascal because of what you just said, his catch and shoot numbers, because mm-hmm. he does not need the ball in his hands. And I think a mistake that the Raptors made in the first two games of the series was the ball was in Fred's hands so much. And it was clear that he was tired. Yeah. It was clear that he was labored. And it's like, put the ball in Pascal's hands. Put, like, like, put the ball in someone else OG's hands. Yeah. Um and, Not a sure hand by any means, but still. No, but like right? still, still, it was clear yeah. that that Fred just didn't have it. But when he's at his best, 
He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can have it at his hands, but he doesn't need it. He's a great catch and shoot guy. He can also switch up and guard guys that are bigger than him. I think Maxi is a particularly difficult matchup because of how quick he is. Um, and Pascal loses a step when he's hurt, but uh, Pascal is a perfect guard to pair with this team. Everybody talking about they're better without him. That's just nonsense, but I do think that they might be better in this series without him. So I do hope that he, he rests up and gets healthy because next season should be fun. Do you worry about Joel Embiid, his mentality going into game six? Cause I, there's a lot of red flags to me um, with his demeanor on the court in game, in game five, he looked like a person who was thinking a lot. Mm. That's a good question. I want I to say see worry, if I, I mean, can like, pull up. I say worry. I mean, like within the context of, I guess, a 76ers person, not that it's a 76ers podcast, but like <laughs> he just looks kind of lost out there at times and he shouldn't be because he's Joel Embiid. He's an MVP he's, candidate. <laughs> yes. I think he gets in his head quite a bit and we, we see it. It gets, he, he starts complaining. He starts looking and blaming other guys. I really wonder if I can look at his numbers for, for game seven of the Atlanta Hawks series and really what he was able to do. I know that that was one that Ben Simmons sort of let slip away without scoring a single point in the fourth quarter, but it'd be interesting to see how he's fared in previous elimination games. I think he's going to come out aggressive. I think he knows he needs to come out aggressive. And I think what we see happen in the first quarter will dictate what he looks like throughout the rest of the game, as opposed to like, like, oh, it just being a game six. I think when Embiid is feeling himself in the first quarter, he'll feel himself all game. But when he's down in the dumps in the first quarter, he's going to try to force the issue and press the issue. And if he doesn't have it, things could get chippy real quick for them. Not to use excuses, but I, that, that thumb is thumb, right? It's torn labrum. Okay. Mm. Like Kyle no. Lowry won a championship with a torn labrum in his thumb. Chris Paul made it to the finals <laughs> with the same injury. Joel Embiid, you're fine. I don't know what you'll get CP's, surgery in the off season. Yeah, I don't know what CP status was, but I know Kyle's was on his off shooting hand. This is on his shooting hand, which I'm I'm mm-hmm. assuming would be a much bigger deal. I'm sure he's feeling it every single time he takes a shot. I don't think anyone's going to think about that if they do blow this this three zero series lead. It's not going to be a factor. But I think he maybe he has to learn how to play through injury better. That could be yeah. something that we're talking about. Because <laughs> I think Jess Jess yeah. in his face has said it today, where she was like. Okay, Embiid, your thumb's hurting, so why are your feet moving slow? <laughs> That's a fair point. It's a fair <clears throat> point. Because gonna, defensively, yeah. he just wasn't having it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to pivot right there to there because um, there were seven possessions back to back to back to back to back to back if that's seven, where the Raptors were just going at him. And if, whether if it wasn't Pascal, it was Precious. If it wasn't Precious, it was OG. And that was in the third quarter. That's when I talk about, like, demeanor. Like, he wasn't moving his feet. And he's in his head. I think he's feeling like, why is this all on me? I don't know, but you don't see Joel Embiid like not compete that way. And he wasn't competing. I definitely think he's asking that. And I think when you failed in the playoffs as many times as they have, and the Raptors struggled with that with the LeBronto years, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it starts, it's starting to weigh on him. I I have to imagine this is starting to weigh on him. And it's like, again, again, with this, again, I'm in the same place with this team. And I, I think the Sixers are in for a real interesting off season regardless of what happens in game six and I think that's what makes it so interesting is like they can come out and smoke the Raptors in game six or the Raptors can come out and smoke the Sixers in game six regardless those questions will need to be answered by the Philadelphia 76ers in the off season and I, I also just want to point before we move on to the next thing people are going to make this out to be the Sixers blowing a 3-0 lead if they happen to do that 
And that might be a part of it, but this is as much as the Raptors winning it and going yeah. out there and getting it. And I don't know that the Raptors are going to get the credit for doing that when the first two games we can point to issues that existed, health being first primary, yeah. um, the Raptors not being able to play their game because their game is Vision 6 9. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to make sure that we're like, and not just us, but like the general populace is understanding that this is as much the Raptors going out there and doing it as much as it is the Sixers not being able to win one game to close out a series. And I think this is also part of the Raptors vision is that it's like that rope-a-dope method. You just wear your opponent down and they've been doing it game by game. You look at, I sent a tweet the other day, you look at Joel Embiid's fourth quarter numbers throughout this series, they're not good. And so he is getting tired. And now that they have Scotty Barnes back and they have that young back, two two more players that they're at least comfortable-ish, you know, throwing on on Joel Embiid, although every single person is a mismatch. But it's just, they are just wearing him down game by game. And I think he's feeling it. I think that's what we're seeing. And now we're going to go to Toronto in game six under that, under those circumstances. And all of a sudden you're going to find your energy. That is something that a true like villain like an absolute, like unbelievable superstar, like the Kevin Durant, the LeBron Jameses, those are players that will thrive in that environment. Joel Embiid hasn't shown me that he's willing to do that in a series. Mm. He's, he did in game four or game three, and that was cool. But let me see you do it in a couple of times. And I don't know if he has it in him at this point of his NBA career. Not that he can't find it, but with between his finger, between what's going on internally with the 76ers, I don't know if he has that gear. Although Doc Rivers yesterday, he's just like, I know we have an extra gear and it's cool, it's cool that we can actually get to it. I'm like, where was it in game five? You don't think don't you need that bring- gear? <laughs> Don't don't you don't you save your extra gear for elimination games in the playoffs? Isn't that the whole idea? Are you yeah. flipping the switch after the playoffs? What what happens? Yeah. Well, maybe that's his issue over the past couple of times where he's blown the three three one series lead. He didn't tell his teams to turn on the gear in time. Also, that was as issue. someone as, that 08 Celtics run, I don't think it gets brought up quite a bit. They needed to go to seven games in the first round and in the second round, and I think it was six games or seven mm. even in the conference finals. As someone who was loving that team, that that Rose series, I mean, this was up against a, a young Rose. No, oh, wait, wouldn't have been Rose. Would it have been, would it have been Rookie Rose? Or am I thinking of the following year? Rondo and Rose had a battle. Whatever it is, he needed yeah. to get to seven games in basically every series in order to get. And, and the, Celt- the Celtics were the one seed in that year. So even mm-hmm. when we're talking about his championship, it was not an easy path to the finals in the way that everyone kind of pretends it was yeah game six predictions oh boy um i mean i think if the raptors get off to a really strong start i think the 76ers might crumble to be (laughs) perfectly honest with you because i just don't think they have the mentality i mean they're showing us way too many times that they're just not that team the team that they are projecting themselves to be and you know when it comes down to it um if they can limit you know 76ers how many how many looks they get, how many comfortable looks they get. If, you know, Danny Green isn't hitting his shots at the beginning of the game. And, you know, with the Raptors, like they have really thrived off of this six, nine vision where they just have like certain players, like a Chris Boucher, a precious Achua, OGN, nobody relocating, cutting to the basket. And they work on this stuff. It's a, it's a big part of their offense. We criticize Nick nurse's offense. It's simple, but it can be very effective when it's done right. properly. Right. <laughs> and uh, last night was an example of it being very effective. That's when, you know, Chris Boucher is like, you know, cutting in around the baseline for, for an easy, yeah, right? Like he exposed James Harden one, two, how many times, right? I don't know how many times you got to see it. That young Chris Boucher, they got a little chemistry happening. Maybe it's because yeah. they appeared on Hustle Play. I don't know. But uh, anyways, I think stuff like that is going to be really important. And for the love of God, please hit threes. 
Mm. Please hit threes like that. OG shot two of nine. A lot of those were again, very clean looks. If you're hitting those shots, someone tweeted me saying, cause I pointed out at halftime, like, you know, if they were actually shooting well from three, this would be a 20 point game. He's like, yeah, but that shows room for growth. No, that, that doesn't mean anything. You have to hit the threes in front of you because you're allowing your team to hang around. If you allow them to hang around, there's a good chance that they might come back. And granted, you know, the 76ers seem like they're clinging for life at the moment based on their performance and their demeanor, but still you need to kill your opponent when they're down. That's really important. So those are a couple right there. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I think the Raptors have, and it feels crazy to say this when you're considering the, the runner-up for MVP and a former MVP on a team, but I think the Raptors have a larger margin of error than the Sixers do in game six. I agree mm. with you. We want to see the Raptors hit their threes. And what happens if the Raptors are hitting threes is it's a blowout. But what's happening if the Sixers hit their threes is it's a win. And Mm -hmm. that to me is the difference. In order for the Sixers to win game six, they need their guys hitting shots. And I think not having Maxi there could be really big for them. I think Danny Green probably getting two days rest could be really big for him as well. They're going to need their guys to hit threes because the Raptors are looking off a guy at every opportunity to guard and beat in the way that they have. And the Sixers are not capitalizing off of that in the way that they should. If the Sixers can do that, this becomes a game. And the Raptors maybe need to hit some. I think if the Raptors, I think if the Raptors hit their threes, they're winning this. Like it's it's not even yeah. an issue. But the Sixers, the Sixers need to hit it in order to survive. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much I believe in their periphery, periphery. <laughs> guys, guys on the periphery. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know English. It's a word. It's a word. Um, it is a word, right? My periphery <laughs> vision. Um, guys on the outside to hit their shots. I don't know that I fully trust it, but if that happens, if the role players show up in the way that they should, and you know, narrative has it that role players don't really show up on the road. But hey, the Raptors arena might be a less hostile crowd than the Sixers arena was. Well, Fargo was very That's brutal true. to Sixers fans. I mean, to Sixers players right there. Maxi just That's entered true. the game and got booze right away. I don't think Embiid got a single MVP chant at the line so um it might they might have uh if if it goes to a game seven it might be another road game for the Sixers they might not have Mm -hmm. a home game left in this series and just again like don't don't foul like you did a great job of that the past few games do not foul don't bail out James Harden um with his you know his foul baiting techniques like you know the game now at this point of a series like everyone kind of knows your moves that's why it's so impressive why Pascal is getting stronger as yeah. the series goes on because Tobias Harris like they know his moves they know what he's going to do that's why some of those turnovers happen those live ball turnovers because they're anticipating where he's going to go but he's still being he's still being incredible um so with James Harden like don't fall for it. Joel Embiid, again, don't fall for it because they're looking for it. And Nickner said it yesterday. He's like, if we limit them to under, you know, 10 free throws, that's a good game. I don't think he was applying that knowledge earlier on the series because he they were constantly digging at them. I think maybe Nick Nurse had to adjust a little bit uh, along with his coaching staff. But if they keep them off the foul line, they're going to be in a really good spot to win this game. And the, the, yeah. fi- the defense on a string, um, there was flaws in that last night. There was definitely some mistakes that they made. And uh, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Maxi, they got to hit threes. And if they don't, like you said, see you in game seven. Yeah. And uh, another thing just to add um, to the Raptors not fouling is go at and beat. Oh, because yeah. Embiid got in foul trouble. 
Go at mm-hmm. Harden. Harden is fouled out in the game in the series. Yeah. They can't guard you and they're going to have to foul you in order to stop you. We saw, mm-hmm. He needed to foul Precious in order to stop a clean drive. <laughs> like, like, this is Joel Embiid, who was a defensive player of the year candidate just a year ago. So um, to me, it's just continue to go at these guys. We know that the Sixers are going to deploy the zone. We saw it already. Uh, a lot in game five so they're going to bring it out again so the Raptors I agree with you need to hit their shots but also just like be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end it seems like refs are rewarding the offensive player there just for their aggression alone so continue to do that continue to drive the Raptors seem to have less tired legs as the series goes on than the team with James Harden Danny Green and Joel Embiid who would have thought one last thing I wanted to mention, because uh, I, I saw this uh, happening uh, throughout the game yesterday, is that James Harden, Scotty Barnes, like they're matched up together. And Scotty, as he gets healthier, he is more and more willing to post up James Harden. And he's pretty effective down there. And Tyrese Maxey, he is the mismatch. And I feel like the Raptors, they weren't capitalizing on it last night until they really needed to. And they did it late in the game. They got a switch. Gary Trent Jr., by the way, he had some like up and down moments in the game, but when he had to like, when it broke in possessions, he made a lot of shots. And also he was effective at making sure those switches happen when they wanted to get Tyrus Maxey onto someone like a Pascal or OG or whatever. Chris Boucher tried it, failed miserably because Tyrus Maxey just pushed him out of the way. But Gary Trent Jr. did a good job with that. And that's a matchup that they made happen. Pascal Siakam, he was backing down Tyrese Maxey, kicked it out to OG Ananobi. He faked, then he pump faked, hit a shot. And that was when the game was at 88-79 for like three minutes, it felt like. And that opened up, and that's yeah. when 76ers fans, they started heading, for the, <laughs> heading, for, heading out of the arena because they realized that the game was over. So that's one thing that I think the Raptors are going to start using if they need to in the series. The mismatches are everywhere, man. It, they're everywhere. So... That's what happens when you have a team of a bunch of 6'9 guys and Gary Trent Jr. Hell to the air. All right, this is fun. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.